Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. There we go. Now I can. <laughs> Hello, people. So this is Jamie Grace, an excellent musician, excellent top-notch. I'm playing her for a reason. There we go. Don't you know? Yeah, this is this was a a pretty cool techno thing that she did, which isn't normal for her. Party like a princess. There we go. Party like, party like. All right. <laughs> All right. Happy Saturday, people. Happy August 1st. Yeah, it is. Can you guys believe it is August? August. It is August 1st. Yeah, it is. All right. So tonight what we're going to do, we have a lot on the dock, but tonight, of course, from the very top of the show, as you all know, when I start a show, I always start and I share thoughts from the heart. Or from the harp. Mm -hmm. We could call this segment Harp to Harp or the Heart of Harp or whatever. Okay, anyway. All right, so um, I got I to gotta tell you something. So a couple of days ago, I was going through my YouTube videos and I stumbled upon uh, the interview that I did with Jamie Grace in person because it was a couple years ago. Randall and I went down to um, the Los Angeles, pa- the, yeah, Los Angeles to the Biltmore Hotel. We were there uh, for the per- Periscope Summit, and um, a whole bunch of things had happened that week. And long story short, we were supposed to be trying to actually get out of there, and we had to meet up with somebody, and then they canceled because they got sick supposedly. And anyway, long story short, me and Randall were ranting and raving at the at the the checkout cuz we had Well, what's it ranting okay. and raving? Well, we were calm discussion. This calm discussion about, uh, about the fact that they things were things that could have been improved. Yeah. Well, anyway, so while we were there though, 
I heard my name. Stacy, is that you? I turned around and I'm like, yes, it's me. And didn't they also, didn't she also say your name? Randall. I believe so. Yeah. Randall, is that you? What? Is, is that you? Is everybody... Well, she sent a text message to you first. She did. Well, she sent so it on Twitter. You, are you in Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah. So it was Jamie Grace, right? So um, it was probably about a month or so prior to that. I had had her on the show as a favor to somebody who I let interview her. Uh, and anyway, long story short, it ended up being a disastrous production because we, did, well, we didn't know that the Skype didn't wasn't compatible with um, there were some audio issues. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, long story short, Jamie Grace came to us and wanted to meet us in person because she was, you know, touched that she was on our show and and she was so gracious. She was so loving, um, taller than me. I mean, you can actually go over to my YouTube channel youtube.com forward slash Bible News Radio. You can go through there and you can find the little interviews like four or five minutes, something like that. There's a very small clip of it in the uh, little channel video, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, I bring this up because I've met a lot of people. I've had a lot of famous people on this show. I mean, geez, I could, I could give you at least a thousand names of people that have been on this show. And I could also tell you, like, I had Amy Grant on this show. Amy Grant was my I was her first podcast, right? Had Dr. Ben Carson on the show. I've had Twyla Paris on the show. I've had all of Mercy Me on here. I have had Dolly Parton. I've had Heidi Parton. I have had all of Duck Dynasty with the exception of Phil because he's hard to get and Uncle Cy, who I didn't really care to get. Just saying, you know, we all have our, you know, we, no, I don't, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, I've had on, oh, Jeez, I don't know. I've had John Schlitt from Petra, a real Christian rock band. Um, you know, and and we have been doing the show for 16 years. And, you know, it's funny because when I had Kim Hill on, who is also a real Christian musician uh, with a lot of talent and who can play the guitar super good. Um, you know, I've learned a lot from the musicians in particular that I've had on here. I had Lisa Harper on as well. Uh, who used to do conferences with Kim Hill and, um, you know, and all that. And, and, you know, I would say Dr. Ben Carson and, you know, who's currently in the Trump administration. It's a pretty big name to get on the show, as well as John Kasich, even though he's a jerk. I've had <laughs> Bob Beckel on. Now, he's a Democrat, and he was on CNN as a host. Uh, he's one of my favorite Democrats I had on because he actually came on the show to talk about addiction you know, um, I've had famous Christian apologists on the show, like Dr. Frank Turek. In fact, he was like my first guest when I had no audience. You know, Dr. Frank Turek, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Fame. Um, you know, we've had on uh, Brian Bird, who wrote the screenplay for um, Lee Strobel's thing, The Case for Christ, and and we've had on Brian Gadawa, who is a, a really good thing. I've actually had David Limbaugh. Thank you for reminding me there. I know Rush Limbaugh. I haven't had Rush on, but David Limbaugh has been a guest on my show as well. You know, Janet Folger Porter from Faith to Action, pretty big name. Dr. Gordon James Klingenschmidt, who also heads up his own ministry. And what I will say is that he he's somebody who, you know, has actually had a house seat 
um, you know, and, and and I could go on and on. And so why do I bring this up? Because I don't have a problem getting a guest. And I never have, actually. Um, I could list thousands of authors I've had on the show, mostly no names, right? Because when I started this show, my heart was to give people an opportunity and a chance to cut their teeth in interviews and to bless them. That was really a, truly a blessing. And, I, and what I will say is that I remember one guy, I had this guy who was a, who was a doctor and he was written, he wrote a book about the crucifixion and, and the medical aspects of it. And I remember this guy, he, he told me, his publicist, first of all, sent me a message and said, please, can you get this guy on my show? And I've done a lot of, let's say, backroom deals with publicists. <laughs> Just kidding, actually. But a lot of the publicists were like, please, can you please? Because I can't get anybody to take this person, right? And so this guy, I just remember in particular, um, I can't think of his name, probably a good thing. But he, he says, I'm going to send you my book and you got to read every single page of this book or I'm not going to come on your show. I'm like, okay, well then go. Bye. See ya. Don't let the door hit you because you're not coming on my show then because I'm not going to read your whole book. That's just not how it's done. In the world of media, a guest presents a press packet and if it's a book, you get lead questions, uh, and then you ask the questions. Well, I just so happen to actually like reading books that I get, uh, and I read a lot of the books that I interview on, but I also like listen to a lot of music. And when I ventured into the world of Christian music in particular, and I wanted to invite people on the show, uh, it was initially people that I liked, right? Um, but I remember when I moved to Nashville, I don't even know how this happened. I remember it was literally, we, were, we weren't even in our new house, probably three months. And out of the blue, Mercy Me's publicist calls me up. And to this day, I still have no clue how, they, how I even got on the press list. I have no clue. I have no idea. You know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And and we did an interview with all of the members of Mercy Me. I'm just like on the phone, on and the they phone. each called in on a separate phone they line. They did, and I'm like <laughs> trying to keep them all straight. That was fun. Yeah. Now I actually, you know, have been um, humored um, by a lot of this because you know I was like, well, gosh, in the beginning, I just wanted to know if God wanted me to do this, and then, you know, I just started asking people and. And then, and then I was like, oh, well, this person might be good. And, you know, and next thing you know, I'm getting flooded with interview. I have no problem getting an interview. But you know what I've learned? And I'm just, there is a reason for this. What I've learned is that I no longer have to have people on this show that I don't want on my show. This is my show. I built the platform and God blessed it. And it's a gift when I give it to anybody right? That's how I see it because I'm not making a paycheck from this show. Not yet. Who knows? Maybe at some point God will bless that. But that wasn't the initial reason I set this show up. The initial company that I founded had to do with book reviews and I was getting free books and I just thought it'd be fun to interview people because I'm a good communicator. I'm actually not a good communicator. I'm an excellent communicator. I am a top-notch communicator and interviewer, and I'm very good with people, and I read people very well, which brings me to last night. 
Last night, I played a song by a young gentleman, country singer, who I met in a networking group and didn't really honestly think much of it when I was in the networking group because I frankly wasn't feeling good the day that he showed up. But out of the blue, I get a phone call from him. We set up a time to talk. And he called under the guise of wanting to, you know, see what we can do for each other's business. And I thought, okay, let's see what he even knows about my business, which he knew nothing. He didn't even know Legal Shield's name, okay? But whatever. I heard about his, his side business, which I'm already a part of, so I'm not even going to bother mentioning it. Um, and then near the very end of the conversation, about an hour in, at the very end, he drops Bible News Radio. Oh, I've written some Christian music. I go, oh, well, I'm always, look, I'm always interested in listening to Christian music. Goes, Will you please send it to me? I can listen to it and check it out. So he does. He sends it to me. And lo and behold, I listened to it. And some of it was good. All of it, I don't think so. I don't think it's superstar material. I don't even think, frankly, it's award-winning, even though he says it has gotten awards. Whatever. It's not my type of music. But the fact that, you know, he presented it to me, and even though it was slightly underhanded the way he did it, and I, no big deal, because I'm used to that. I'm used to people not being just upfront and asking for what they want. They pretend they want one thing and then they do this because the minute people find out I do this show, that's the number one thing people want to talk about. I know that, okay? And I'm not a dummy and I'm certainly not a pushover stupid. So I listened to most of the music he sent me, took about an hour of my time to do it, which is very rare for me, by the way, because I generally don't like to listen to new music and that's a fact, when I find something I like, I listen to it over and over, and Randall can tell you that. Well, I found the song that I liked. I played it last night on the show. After the show, um, this guy starts griping to me about money and how, you know, he doesn't have the money. And, you know, and it's so, it costs so much money to get, you know, funded and to, to do a record and blah, blah, blah. Well, having just had Mignon Francois on my show last week, and hearing her great testimony about how she had eight kids to support and no money, but all of a sudden out of nowhere, she's doing a bake, you know, bake sale because she, she turned on Christian radio and listened to Dave Ramsey and actually got off her butt and decided she was going to do something about it. Um, I recommended, he, he actually listened to that interview, of course, that fell on deaf ears. I, I recommended having a bake sale to which he claimed, Wow, if I did that, only I could only raise enough money for one song to produce because it costs about $1,000 to produce an actual song, to which I thought, wow, that's kind of amazing. You know, I produce this show and Randall produces his music way cheaper than that, but whatever, I get it. Well, I suggested GoFundMe. Well, people aren't giving, you know, fan. you don't understand. Fans don't give blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, seriously? Cry me a whiver. Oh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Wait, should I get you some smelling salts? I mean, give me a break. And this is what ticks me off, okay? And this is why I pulled the show. Because you know what? I don't want a whining baby who, you know, just whines and is too too lazy to figure out ways to raise money to promote your little artistic venture 
Get off your butt and do something else. The other little side gig you told me about ain't going to cut it. You claim you got a business degree. Use it. You know? And then the twit, and he is a twit, he actually sends me this message, which, yeah, I will read you because it's so worthy of, of reading. And this is what it says here. Quote, well, I think you having 3,000 likes is hardly worth my time, so I wish I could really say I cared. By you acting in this way, I wouldn't go around talking about Christ because you're really doing Jesus a disservice. If I weren't a Christian, I wouldn't be persuaded by your attitude and behavior to become a Christian, so it's a good thing I'm not basing my decision on you. Hmm. So which I would say, that was a response to me saying, you know, I'm going to pull your song off my show and I will never promote you ever again. Now, keep in mind, the dude came to me. He knew I did the show. He blocked me, by the way, which is why I'm saying it here. Because if you tune in, just so you know, I got almost 4,000 likes on Facebook. We got over 6,000 on Periscope. We got followers on Twitch, Mixer, .live, YouTube, and 20 podcast platforms, plus my email and text message list. So it's way more than 3,000. And I know a ton of people I could have connected you to. But you know, dear one, there's this old adage, be very careful who you burn bridges with. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't like it when people whine. And I certainly don't like it when people are ungrateful. Twits, right? And you're a millennial which means you're a millennial twit uh, and pretty freaking immature to say the least, you know? It's like your entitlement is going to keep you stuck and you're never going to be the star that you think you, you're going to be because you got this entitlement attitude like your you-know-what doesn't stink. And I'm just going to tell you, if this is how you actually treat people, you are not going anywhere in life. Your music isn't that great, Right? It's not that great. Maybe that's why people don't want to fund it. That could, maybe that's it. Maybe you should just give up and go to business school again or something else and just quit. Or you could be a big boy and put your belt on and your big fat cowboy hat and get off your rump, get on your horse and go and get a job and pull up your bootstraps and figure out how you can make money to make the music that you want instead of whining all the time. Okay, you know what? I don't know if you were coddled or breastfed. I'm not sure. But your whiny attitude isn't going to get you very far. And it's it, this type of stuff bugs me, just so you know. All right, that's it. I'm done. So you can listen to this guy's music if you want. But I'm just saying, I am so sick and tired of doing the right thing and trying to bless somebody only to be shit on you know, proverbial speaking and not not even be appreciated for. He said he appreciated me. It was a little load of crap, you know, as you're bitching between, you know, comments. It's like, really? And then you write me that. Seriously. I just happened to look over on your Facebook page. You got like, what, 10,000 followers on your Facebook page? Wow. Ooh. And you have what, like a hundred and something on your YouTube page? That's impressive. I know you're heard all over the radio. So my question is, if you've got awards and you're all over the radio, where are your big fans supporting you? Huh? Yeah. Okay. Bring it on, bro. Just saying. All right, Randall. <laughs>
Can you feel the uh, love it's just, tonight? You know, sometimes somebody just needs to lay it out. Yeah. Right? And I understand the emotion behind being a creative. I totally get it. I totally get it. But when somebody just wants to whine and not do something about it, go away. That's, I mean, that's that's your trigger, I guess, or whatever. That's that's the thing that ticks you off the most is people who are stuck. I mean, that's why you have the unstuck club. And well, you know. I, it's it's not only that, but it's people who I try to bless and they don't care. No. It's like, oh yeah, you should have done that. No, I don't have to. And and you know to in you know to to insult me. Really, I'm having an NFL player on my show Monday who's got over half a million subscribers on YouTube. I don't have a problem getting an actual guest with an audience, just saying. All right, well, a third of the hour is gone. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, this is one of these things, you know. And you know what? By the way, it's not even about numbers, it's about actual loyal fans who like you, care about you. Oh. You know what? <laughs> you know, music isn't the business to go into if you got a weak, thin skin. It's just not. You know, having a backup plan is is a good thing to have. You know, that's why this isn't my my priority. This isn't my first source of income. I would say anything in in the entertainment or fame realm, it's it's um yeah. It's fraught with um, perils. Yeah. Well, the, there. there are there are two two things that I've grown not to not to tolerate anymore. One is what I just laid out there, and the other is liars. Okay. Melanie Weiser. Okay, you guys know <laughs> the name Melanie Weiser, don't you? So Melanie Weiser was my number one super fan for quite some time. Uh, stalked me actually. Uh, I asked her to unsubscribe to my text message list 25 times. I actually tried to get my text message service to block her number because she wouldn't stop it. And what I will tell you is that Melanie, uh, I had a, a nice talk with one of her pastors. And the call is recorded, by the way, because in Tennessee, you can record a phone call without the other person knowing about it. So I have it as evidence should I need it. And let's just say that... Melanie's pastor confirmed everything that I know about Melanie Weiser. And recently, I emailed Melanie Weiser something about Legal Shield, and rather than answer me directly, she goes ahead and behind my back, forwards email where it shouldn't have been going, and just continued to do the unethical, lying, scheming things that Melanie Weiser does. And what I will tell you is that even Randall unfriended Melanie Weiser recently. Who are we talking Melanie Weiser, <laughs> okay, also known as sure. NJJC girl, <laughs> okay. who lives in a, a dilapidated, you know, dorm at her church, because they feel sorry for her with her cat Buddy, um, and she's been working as a janitor for the last twenty years. So, just saying, you know, I'm done playing games with you people, and you continue to push me. And you will pay. And you can take that however you would like. Okay? All right. Let's talk now about 
this new movie, Marxism, or whatever the agenda. thing is. Agenda. <laughs> Let's talk about Marxism today. Yeah, well, okay. So, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult in the chat room over there, but ask me if I care. Do you care? No, I really don't. I'm sick and tired of people using me and shitting all over me and and acting as if my feelings and my thoughts don't matter, you know? I'm done. So, if you're in that camp, you've been warned. Oh, and I know I'm being such a bad Christian right now. I'm so sorry. Not sorry. All right, agenda. Let's watch this because this actually, getting on a more serious note, this is a, a video where uh, we have um, really good evidence that what's going on in the world is, is there's an agenda. So let's go ahead and watch this. Hello. In the traditional motion picture story, the villains are usually defeated. The ending is a happy one. I can make no such promise for the picture you're about to watch. The story isn't over. It's so quiet. You and the audience are part of the conflict. <laughs> More human beings were slaughtered in the 20th century than all previous centuries combined. We're talking a congressional record, 135 million dead. Their entire purpose was to detach our culture from any moral anchors whatsoever. You look at the changes in America since 1960, perhaps, the, the whole culture's been transformed. They're coming out of the belief that the village should raise the child. Uh, and the village means the government. They have deliberately destroyed the American family, understanding that's the foundational block that uh, builds a society. We've come from uh, Norman Rockwell's America to, uh, you know, Hugh Hefner's America. If we lose the Judeo-Christian framework, we're lost forever. The left wants you to think that the cultural changes that have taken place in America since the 1960s have done nothing but progress us forward toward a brave new world. This film will show that the brave new world they seek is nothing more than the failed policies and ideologies of the communism that enslaved over a third of the world's population during the 20th century. It will show that most people on the left aren't communist, just the useful idiots Lenin spoke of, being used to promote a socialist agenda, which is the first and necessary step toward communism. I think this is one of the most serious uh, threats uh, to our country at the present time. It will show they've done everything in their power to dumb down our children, undermine our families, rewrite our history, and promote obscenity and immorality everywhere that they can. They look at what holds society together, they understand it, but they don't want that, they want change. And they will subvert and rot every good and decent thing we believe in because they have a vision for a new society and that must mean the replacement of the old society. 
This film will show why the ideas that now dominate our educational system are focused on removing God and his influence from every part of our culture. They basically try to say that the state itself is ultimate, that there's nothing, no law higher than the state, and if there's no law higher than the state, there's no appeal against it. They're training them for the collective, and a collective mindset and a dependency mindset. And it seems that they, again, want to have people be uneducated, so then they do become wards of the state. They're dependent on the government to provide everything for them. History has proven beyond any doubt that the free enterprise that freedom produces provides more for anyone willing to work than any other system. So why would the left still be pushing their socialist agenda on us? I mean, it's really just microwave communism. There's only two possibilities. They're either ignorant or they're evil. From my investigation over the last two years into what has caused America's drastic decline, I'm sorry to say the left won't be able to use the ignorant card. They've left too much evidence of their agenda in their books, articles, and speeches. No, America has an enemy that is getting very close to accomplishing its plan of destroying the greatest country in all world history. Once people figure it out, they're going to do what people everywhere do. They're going to start protesting and they're going to start revolting. And when that happens, that's when the powers that be feel threatened and they use the power that they have. Like that. This is a true story. Curtis Bowers trying to get him on our show here. Have a call in to him. So hopefully we'll be able to get him relatively soon. Randall, what are your thoughts on that video? Because um, I think, first of all, the score was really good. Whoever did the score, don't you think they did a great job in the, wasn't the soundtrack 
you know, the whatever you call it. Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it for a while now. Is yeah, certain can't play the ignorance card. I mean, this is uh, we can go back quite a ways. Um, to those you know looking to establish communism, and uh, been going a lot, happening a lot, you know, in the twentieth and twenty-first century. And things keep ramping up, and they're you know hiding in plain sight, as it were. I mean, these things used to be sort of, you know, they showed some of those documents with, um, you know, about Alger Hess, and uh, I'm trying to think of the other, other spy, and anyway, um, you know, and go back to the McCarthy hearings and that kind of thing, and. Um, you know, back in the days when the Ricardos belonged to the American Communist Party and <laughs> Lucy not the Ricardis, but, but you know, Lucille right. Ball and Desi Arnaz. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and there there's Hollywood ties to communism, nothing new under the sun. Uh, but now, I mean, they call it agenda. I mean, go to the uh, United Nations site, there's a document. Well, a series of documents, really. It's they're kind of summed up in one big thing, Agenda Twenty One. It's there for it's there for the reading. That right. It, this is all about placing people in high density housing, and um, and and we'll we can watch this next one. That it's all about the sustainability of the planet, where the people become subservient to to Mother Nature. And human life becomes expendable, and I mean yeah. the Georgia Guidestones, all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's all it's all there. It's just it's yeah, hiding in plain sight. By the way, I gotta I wanted to um, share something that uh, Chaps sent this week. It has to do with Margaret Sanger. It ties into this. I don't know if you saw it. Do you get his email? Um, I don't recall. All right, I'm going to pull this up. My internet seems to be a little bit slow here, but uh, well, actually, I'll just put her name in my search and it will come up. You guys are not going to believe this, okay? Well, you might. You you may not. <laughs> Let's see here. Yeah, okay, so my friend Gordon, also known as Chaps, because he's a chaplain, um, he sent out an email this week. Listen, okay, so Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, uh, the whole goal of Planned Parenthood was she, when she set this up was to wipe, white out black, wipe out black people, right? Eugenicist. She wanted to kill the black population. So this is what Gordon wrote, and he quoted, um, after slaughtering millions of black babies, Planned Parenthood has denounced its own founder for racism. But not for killing black children, which is far worse, and continues, quote, Planned Parenthood of Greater New York has announced that it will remove founder Margaret Sanger's name from its Manhattan facility, bearing her namesake, and is also working with, city, with, the, with the, the city council to rename Margaret Sanger Square due to her, quote, harmful connections to the eugenics movement reports christiannews.net 
It says here, the organization says that the announcement reflects the first of many organizational shifts to address Sanger's legacy and system of institutional racism, which negatively impacts the well-being of patients, staff, and Planned Parenthood of greater New York's broader communities. Mm -hmm. The removal of Margaret Sanger's name from our building is both a necessary and overdue step to reckon with our legacy and acknowledge Planned Parenthood's contributions to historical reproductive harm within committees of color. Yeah. I guess they're... Yeah. So will they be re relocating any of these <laughs> facilities? or I don't know. Or but business as usual? I think, I think it's funny. I, I, I think it's funny that... Yeah, right. Sean, Sean, Sean's like, why not remove abortion? Right. Uh -oh. Yeah. I, you know, for all the Black Lives Matters crap out there, um, and yes, black people matter. Yes. White people matter. Asian people matter. Every people, all peoples matter. But, you know, here, here's the, the sad reality. In the black community, you guys need to step up and care about your own black babies. You know, you need to stop going to Planned Parenthood and killing mm -hmm. your own. You know, if if you don't care about your black baby, then don't get ticked off that other people don't care about it. I mean, you know, it's yeah. Anyway, I just think it's funny that they're trying to to wipe out this like obvious eugenicist history. They're trying to oh wait, no, well, we can't have this. We're just gonna, hey, we just have to rename the square. At least they're acknowledging it for a moment <laughs> before they erase it. Um, I know, but it's like yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's funny. There is this. I mean, she's the founder of it, and you know, is on record saying it must not get out that our, right. you know, that our purpose is to eliminate the Negro race, uh, something to that effect, and and in the company she kept and all that. I mean, it's and so and so rather than just uh, you know, it was downplayed. Um, but you know, it's hard to downplay it when this the one in New York is located in Margaret Sanger Square. Um, so, you know, they're erasing it rather than downplaying it. It's getting some attention. So now they're going to erase it, uh, to distance themselves from it, but do it in a noble way. Like, Oh, we're, we're distancing ourselves from this past. We're disconnecting. And we're making this mobile. We don't this want anybody no, to know this noble move to, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant marketing. It's like when you can no longer deny, uh, you know, the roots and the purpose of the organization. Acknowledge it just before you erase it. You know, just don't do it quietly because then it looks like a, then it looks like you're trying to hide something. So. Right. Make this noble announcement that we're we're turning a new leaf, and now let's erase it so that one generation away, no one will know anything about it. They won't be able to tie us to it. Anyway. Yeah. You want to play the second trailer? Sure. Okay. So we're going to play the second trailer for the agenda uh, movie because there's two parts. So this is uh, part two, and it's what, about five or six minutes? Uh, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Whenever you're ready.
Uh, I'm ready. He's ready. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. It's not on the main screen. This is the point that oh. Americans need to comprehend. There if we America go. goes down economically, it will go down militarily. If America goes down militarily, we all go down. The free world is finished, and will be finished for a very, very long time. Everything, practically, is, is in a self-destructive mode. We're in the most critical period we've been since the revolutionary. Yeah, Jerry's been on my show you're, too. You're not alert. You're not awake. What, what, what's happening? They would just as soon see this country on its knees and everything equalized. That concept of collectivism, big government, is a magnet for the predator class. The plans for all this are to have everything globally in place by 2020. If we're that dumb, and we allow this to happen, we, des we deserve everything we're going to get, because we're going to get it right in the neck. We're headed into what could be a nightmare that would make all the atrocities of the 20th century look like they were a dress rehearsal. When people are afraid, they ask government to do more, not less. Their theories are designed to scare the people to believe there's a crisis when there is not a crisis at all. There's no crisis. I think we're losing more and more freedom because we are afraid. The left wants you to believe that catastrophe is always just around the corner. And the only way to avoid it is to do exactly what they say. But this film will show everything they do is just a Trojan horse of deceit carefully crafted to advance their real agenda of finishing America off. We have been the main stumbling block to world communism since it first raised its ugly head. From the promotion of Islam to the propaganda of climate change. From the deceit of Common Core to the manufactured economic crisis and from their manipulation of the evangelical church to the unsustainable debt burden. This film will show the issues are simply being used as a smokescreen to hide the purposeful, premeditated, treasonous attacks on the foundations of our freedom. The world religion has just purged us from being able to determine right from wrong. You know what Alexander Solzhenitsyn said about Russia? how the communists took over Russia? He said, we forgot God. It will expose the tactics and strategies our enemy is using to prey on the good nature and caring spirit of the American people. Their magnum opus of fraud and corruption is sustainability, the most clever on-ramp to totalitarian control ever devised. This film will show it has nothing to do with clean air, water, and stewarding our resources. Things everyone is for. No, unfortunately, it is just a masterpiece of marketing being used to convince people that a one-world problem requires a one-world solution by a one-world government.
Under the new Agenda 21 movement, we've been demoted. We are now below the earth. And if we are less than the earth, then there is no tyranny against man that cannot be justified under the premise of protecting the environment. If you believe that there's nothing special about man, it can take you all sorts of places. Unless there is a change in this country, we are going to end up at the end of the line in a totalitarian state. Their stated agenda, carved in stone on a monument in Georgia and outlined in documents placed in the Ark of Hope, is to eliminate six and a half billion people by centuries end. And they will succeed if we don't stop them. This is not just a fight for the United States of America. This is a fight for civilization itself. It's everything Karl Marx dreamed of before our very eyes. I think they've pushed us over the cliff in every sense. America isn't going to fall. We are falling. Yep. So Alan Keyes, who I voted for for president when he ran for president a number of years ago, and who I've met, actually, I got the privilege of, of uh, interviewing him. Well, not, not actually interviewing. I could interview him, actually, anytime I want. But um, I got to meet him and introduce him to my dad uh, when I went down to one of Janet uh, Porter's events in Florida a couple years ago, a number of years ago. But yeah, America is falling and you know i think one of the interesting things in that trailer uh, had to do with the evangelical church and what's going on in the church and you know what look i've been called every name in the book by people who say they're christians so when somebody insults my christianity <laughs> usually it's another insult from another christian right so it's like oh really okay but it usually has more to do with um you know people who don't understand the word of god they don't read it because they're too busy writing country music and drinking beer all the time you know um and or they just don't have the competency to actually go go to church and read read the bible for themselves and actually see what it has to say or they're they're into the social justice movement which is you know co-opted the church which by the way satan is the founder of just so you know um and, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting. Christian persecution is alive and well all over the world. And it's coming to America, people. It's, it's actually started here. In fact, if you don't know that, you should look up some research on church shootings and things like that. And now that we have a state-run government church, because the, the, church is the government now is telling the church what to do. And the government is trying to silence and stop the church in certain states in our country, especially like California. And there are pastors, good pastors, actually biblical pastors out there who are standing up and going, okay, I'm ready. Bring me to jail, people. It's going to happen. I believe we'll see a pastor arrested before the end of the year. 
And I think it will be a big name pastor. I think it'll be somebody like Jack Hibbs or John MacArthur. Um, you know, somebody like that. I think that they're going to, um, I think right now they're kind of playing games with them, but I think their goal is to, they're going to, they're going to make an example of whoever it is they arrest. And you know, what's really interesting is, you know, I interviewed, um, uh, David, uh, David A.R. White, uh, who's, who founded Pure Flix and he plays Pastor David and all the films that he makes, you know, <laughs> you remember his, his, uh, film God's Not Dead 2? You remember that one, Randall? Yes, I and do. That movie was based on actual cases. And if you watch the movie, you can go through the end credits and you'll see there's like something like 40 different cases they cited in that movie. Um, I think it was at the very end of that movie, the cliffhanger for the next movie they're doing, they actually showed the pastor getting arrested because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And America needs to wake up, which is why I think Rabbi, uh, Messianic Rabbi J Jonathan Kahn is, you know, calling people, calling for people to pray, um, to really fast and pray uh, because this next election is going to be a big one for sure. I mean, 2020, I see, I'm seeing all these memes about, can't we start over? You know, <laughs> 2020 isn't exactly what I had hoped it would be. You know, I saw this one meme. It was a, a, a like a freeway sign. It said 2020 and then it had the off the, the arrow going and it said 1980s, you know, <laughs> and this car screeching to go over there. It was really funny. I thought, yeah, that's, that's funny. But is it? Is it really funny? It's not. It's not. And we need to start standing up, you know, and not being ashamed of what we know to be true and getting out there and sharing it. And if it's within people, people in the church, see, I think God is dividing the church right now. He's separating the wheat from the chaff and the, the tares that are among the wheat in the church are becoming more known. And the wolves in sheep's clothing, they're like, I got my mask off now. Look, just so you know, this sheep mask was all fake. You know, I'm really a wolf. Yeah, just so you know. And I've been leading you down the path to destruction because I got you not to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Got you not to read it. Got you not to care about it. Got you more concerned with your self-obsessed worship songs. It's all about me and me, me, me. And this is about me. The gospel's all about me. I'm going to get rich. Yeah, I am. I'm going to be prosperous. I'm going to make my name in lights. I'm not kidding. I have seen the ch I mean, I'm not that old. And I've seen the church. We were in, you know, go from having a couple of Bible studies a week in churches or in home fellowships to none to zero. Like, Hey, no, we don't even want a Bible study. And it was, it slept, it, it crept in. And I remember this so clearly because I I've shared this before, but when I first became a Christian, I was not raised in the church and a friend of mine gave me a Bible. I read it. I loved it. It was like, oh my gosh, this is like the best book in the world. I couldn't put it down. And I remember going to the church that I went to and to a youth group Bible study and they weren't really teaching the Bible. They were doing the ungame, which is this game that was developed by a woman who 
had lost her ability to speak for a short time and she was feeling lonely one day and she sat there and, she, and I read her book. That's how I know the story. But she was like, hey, I wish people would ask me questions. So, oh, I'll make a game out of this. So she makes this game and this was the icebreaker in the, you know, in the Bible study that I went to. And I just remember that I had, that was so, it was so, it impacted me so much because I'm like, all these other kids were church kids and, you know, they didn't really seem to have that much interest in the Bible, you know, and I'm like, I don't understand. How come you guys aren't like reading the Bible? This is Bible study, um, you know, and then I got, I got slowly introduced into some other different church congregations and, and, you know, the whole worship thing with the vineyard took place and it was all emotional, holy laughter, really it's nothing holy about it. Um, all this crap going on in the church under the guise of the Holy Spirit. He's doing all this to me. And I'm like, no, the Holy Spirit comes to comfort, convict, and counsel. Not to make you look like a laughing fool. Just saying. And, um, you know, anyway. And so you have a, a group of people who are not really born again. They're, they're, they're lost. They're churchgoers. And that concerns me. You know, here's how you know somebody. You know somebody by their fruit. You know what I'm saying? Right, Sean? Yeah, Sean agrees with me. One person in the world agrees. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's tragedy. Randall, you know me. I could go on forever, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was over here on USA Today. We got this fact check thing. Fact check. UN Agenda 21 slash 2030, New World Order is not real document. And there's a claim that yeah. the United Nations will establish a new world order under its Agenda 21, 2030 mission goals. And, and anyway, of course, we've got a United Nations spokesperson saying, yeah, it's, yeah, bonk is just about... Uh, this is about ending all poverty in all forms everywhere. That means by putting all people level. <laughs> I mean, let's just take one one example. I mean, I've got the document in front of me. Okay. Um, I could try to share it somewhere. I mean, this is, you can, sustainabledevelopment.un.org. You can go get it for yourself. Um, let's see, what can I... Let's uh, could use the scripture one. Let's do that. The scripture shot, and only without the scripture. Yeah, I cannot read that. All right. I I have glasses issues right now, people. Just so you know, right. I I have progressive lenses. There's a reason they're progressives because they're liberal. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I don't have them on, so you're gonna have to read that. Okay. Uh, this is in section eighteen point six one. Okay, the 1980s saw considerable progress in the development and application of low-cost water supply and sanitation technologies. Okay, good. The program envisages continuation of this work with particular emphasis on development of appropriate sanitation and waste disposal technologies for low-income, high-density urban settlements. Okay, so, yeah, they're looking to 
get better, you know, water supply and and sanitation technology, low cost, and especially getting them into low income, high density urban settlements. All sounds good so far. There should also be international information exchange to ensure a widespread recognition among sector professionals of the availability and benefits of appropriate low-cost technologies. The public awareness campaigns will also include components to overcome user resistance to second-class services by emphasizing the benefits of reliability and sustainability. So the plan includes uh, a, a you know a, a public awareness campaign for people to to overcome their resistance to second class services. Why why would there be resistance to second class services? What are they talking about? Well, the low cost water supply and sanitation technologies. Uh, we need to we need to get these low cost so we can do them more of them and it's not going to be what people are used to the kind of water supply and sanitation that people are used to so we need to have a public awareness campaign to to overcome the the user resistance to second class services you know water and sanitation services why would there be if 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 they're talking about bringing these into low income high density urban settlements let's say, you know, existing ones, where there isn't, you know, they say the 1980s saw development of low cost and water supply. Okay, we, you know, we, we envisage continuations work with emphasis on developing these services of appropriate sanitation and waste disposal technology for low income, high density urban settlements. All right. Why in those places would there be a use? Why would there be a resistance to second-class services? It sounds, you know, if they're they're talking about bringing <laughs> services to low-income, high-density urban settlements, so it's so it's like they don't have services right now. Why would there be resistance to second-class services? And they're going to overcome that by emphasizing the benefits of reliability and sustainability. Well, these low-cost services are good because they're reliable and sustainability. They're, they're all for the good of the planet. Um, anyway, it's just, it's just odd language like that that you'll find throughout the document. That maybe I'm reading things into it. Oh, but, you read into stuff? Never. Yeah. But there's a great emphasis on high density, um, high population density, and things like that, and uh, and services in these areas. And anyway, uh, but it's all you know, talking about sustainability, um, you know, because you know this this Earth is using up all of its natural resources. I'm. I would challenge anybody. <laughs> go get yourself. Look online. In my back in my in my day, Shani, we went to the library and there were world atlases. But you can look it online. Look at maps by population density. The vast 
majority of the Earth's surface is unpopulated. Right. Well, yeah, because it's deserts and it's and it's. No, it's not. It's not because it's, you know, because it's ice covered or because it's sand covered or uh, the vast majority of the Earth's surface, not counting the water. I'm talking the land surface is unpopulated and perfectly um and perfectly what's the word i'm looking for well habitable and and agreeable to agriculture um this this planet people talk oh we were you know seven billion people or whatever that's that's the tipping point and it's going to crash and it's going to burn Oh, this planet can support a hundred billion people without skipping a beat. Um, but you know the the anyway, <laughs> the whole uh, the narrative is that we're harming Mother Earth and we're running out of resources and and is there plastic pollution? Indeed, there is. Is it getting cleaned up? Yes, there is. Is there you know? Air pollution, yeah, getting cleaned up. Yes, it is. You know, mission, everything is, things are improving rather than reaching a danger point. That used to be the thing. Oh, it's the air pollution. It's, it's the, you know, it's the water pollution. And then, yeah, I remember that. Then we started to clean those things up. We and, had Earth Day and the big ball. Yeah. And we had to pick it up and run across the playground with it. <laughs> and now that we've been cleaning those things up in the past few decades, now it's like, but now it's got to be another crisis, you know. Uh, global warming is going on, and, and it's because of the things we're still doing. And well, okay, okay. Then there's some cooling going on. Let's just call it climate change. It's climate change. The AKA, climate, also known as the weather. weather yeah, <laughs> climate is changing, and for that reason, we've got to you know cut down basically the the activity of civilized people. We got to get rid of a bunch of people. The ones that are left, we got to crowd them into places, and you know where we can provide them this this low cost, these low cost second class services. And Speaking of that, anyway. let's talk about President Trump for just a minute. Yeah. I know it's technically after our time, but who cares? It's our show. We can do what we want. You want the article? Yeah. Um. So I will say before we get into the article, um. You know what? Thank you guys for tuning in to the show. I really am thankful for those of you who watch. Um, I know, you know, I know a, a good amount of you, a good, good core group of you, I know. Um, and you know what? Just want to say thanks. You know, you're the ones that encouraged us uh, to keep going when, you know, when things get frustrating and stuff. We've gone through this big transition in the last year, cutting the show back from five days a week to three. Actually, seven days, really, a week to three. Um, I am in the process of lining up a whole litany of interviews with good, some good authors and stuff, um, working with some good people. So we will be having some of those. Um, and we are still waiting for our official 501c3 status papers to come through, in case you're wondering. But in the meantime, it is retroactive. So if you want to donate to our show, you will get a tax break um, as a result uh, we just, we're just waiting for the official papers, but the, the paperwork has been filed. I was actually told that it's because of COVID. It's been held up. Yeah. Can you believe that? But anyway, it has taken us a long time to get to that decision to say, okay, we're ready to go this route. Because yeah, I'll tell you what we're going to do. What my plan is, is 
to definitely expand and advertise for the show. Uh, I was told by a, a pretty good authority that what we've done with our show in the last number of years um, and how we, you know, have distributed it and diff different things is excellent for no income coming in and, you know, no budget. Like a lot of, you know, like a lot of the bigger ministries you know about got thousands of dollars in their ad campaign, okay? We don't have that. Um, but, you know, who knows? We might at some point. Um, it's never been my desire to get famous or, or filthy rich. And I don't care if my name's in lights or not. Uh, I prefer lesser people know me. But um, but anyway, if you want to donate, you can go to our website. And you know what, Randall? We didn't we didn't set it up for the heart tug thing. Got to do that. Um, we had so much fun playing pickleball. I'm, that I'm I, waiting on you. I know. I totally forgot about it. But but in the meantime, you can still donate through our website, BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. And um, you already know what you're going to get if you watch us, just so you know. So, you know. And I'm not swayed by money. So if you, like, decide you're going to donate and then all of a sudden decide you want to boss me around to tell me, oh, you can't talk about that or I want you to talk about this, blah, 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 ain't going to happen. Just so you, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> I just felt the need to say that because I know people. But anyway. All right, let's get to this Donald Trump thing and TikTok. I took myself off of TikTok shortly after I got myself on it because I heard uh, what was going on with TikTok and, um, and China. So now, listen to this article says, Trump says he will ban TikTok through executive action as soon as Saturday. This was written yesterday, by the way. So the key points here. It says President Donald Trump on Friday told reporters he will act as soon as Saturday to ban Chinese-owned video app TikTok from the United States. Trump did not specify whether he will act through an executive order or other methods such as a designation, according to NBC News. And Trump's comments come as it was reported Friday that Microsoft has held talks to buy the TikTok video sharing mobile app from Chinese owner. Are you just uh, reading bullet points? Yeah. Bite dance. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, okay, I'll go ahead and read the article now. It says, President Donald Trump on Friday told reporters he will act as soon as Saturday to ban Chinese-owned video app TikTok from the United States, NBC News reported. Trump made the comments while chatting with reporters on Air Force One during the flight back to Washington from Florida. As far as TikTok is concerned, we're banning them from the United States, Trump said, calling the action a severance. Trump did not specify whether he will act through an executive order or another method, such as a designation, according to NBC News. I feel like a parrot repeating this, but whatever. <laughs> well, I have that authority. I can do it with an executive order or that, Trump said. A TikTok spokesperson told NBC News that the app helped to create jobs across the U.S. and was committed to user privacy. We've hired nearly 1,000 people to our U.S. team this year alone and are proud to be hiring another 10,000 employees into great paying jobs across the U.S., the spokesperson said in a statement. Our $1 billion creator fund supports U.S. creators who are building livelihoods from our platform. TikTok U.S. user data is stored in the U.S. with strict controls on employee access, the statement said. TikTok's biggest investors come from the U.S., we are committed to protecting our users' privacy and safety as we continue working to bring joy to families and meaningful careers to those who create 
on our platform. Trump's comments came as it was reported Friday that Microsoft has held talks to buy the TikTok video sharing mobile app from Chinese owner ByteDance. One person close to the situation told CNBC this person characterized the talks as having been underway for some time rather than being brand new. Trump told reporters that he didn't support the reported spinoff deal involving Microsoft buying TikTok. Well, that's good. A TikTok acquisition could make Microsoft a major provider of business software more concentrated on consumer technology, which Microsoft has moved away from somewhat in recent years by exiting the smartphone hardware, fitness hardware, and ebooks market. Amy Hood, Microsoft's chief financial officer, said in 2018 that in recent years, the company had been consistent in its strategy and networked assets with many users, including LinkedIn. In case you didn't know that, um, Microsoft owns LinkedIn. Bill, yeah, he does. Uh, Chinese company ByteDance launched TikTok in 2017. The app has grown more popular during the coronavirus pandemic with 2 billion downloads in April, according to Sensor Tower. Competitors include Facebook and Snap. ByteDance investors seeking to take over TikTok valued it at $50 billion, Reuters reported earlier this week. Of course, Microsoft declined to comment on the talks, blah, blah, etc., blah, 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 blah. And then it says here, scrolling down, earlier this month, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the U.S. was looking at banning TikTok as well as other Chinese social media apps, citing national security concerns. Pompeo added that the Trump administration was evaluating TikTok akin to Chinese state-backed tech companies, Huawei or something, and ZTE, which he has previously described as Trojan horses for Chinese intelligence. Anyway, I'm not going to read the rest of this because it's, um, but the point is, get off TikTok. That's the point. Yeah, those other companies, um, I don't know how to pronounce them either. Yeah. Um, but uh, they've got some games that are popular. Yeah. Well, I am, um, I know somebody who's got over 400,000 followers. But I just got mobile phones and modems as well. The On article that. says in 2018, the Pentagon halted sales of so. Huawei, Huawei, I don't know, and ZTE mobile devices and modems on military bases around the world. Again, citing national security concerns. Hmm. Aw, TR Fun Guy said, Thank you for your wonderful work. I can tell you that your ministry contributes greatly to my overall spiritual growth as I find it difficult to find like-minded believers. Wow. I appreciate that, you know. Nice to be complimented once in a while. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, you know, it's it's tough. And you know what? I I wish I wish. Oh my gosh, you guys. I wish with everything in me, I could tell you what's been going on behind the scenes. Everything going on. You have no idea. No. No, you, you know, you know about this much. Um, <laughs> so I could just say, just pray for me. Pray for Randall. Pray for me. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's not easy doing this, you know. And I believe that there, there are demonic attacks. I believe it, you know. And I think a lot of people don't think they don't take Satan seriously. You know, in fact, this week <clears throat> we were, uh, uh, was it this week? Well, it was last week we were talking about, um, 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 
we were talking about the book of Jude, right? And how uh, Michael the Archangel, you should go read the book of Jude. Michael the Archangel disputed over the body of Moses with Satan, the devil. Okay? Now, this is nowhere found in the Bible except in Jude, where Jude wrote about it, so we know it happened because it's legit, right? But I did this Bible study the other night with the women that showed up. Men, you guys can come to me if you want. Um, but I had this discussion about Michael and the devil, right? Michael said to the devil, the Lord rebuke you. Satan is a cherub. Michael is an archangel. He goes underneath. If you study angel ranks in the Bible, the cherub is, is above the the um, archangel. Um, anyway, I bring that up because a lot of people don't take the devil seriously. And they're like, well, you know, whatever. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, uh... We're going to stomp on the devil? He He's... He's nobody to be messed with, but the Bible says greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. And that means the Holy Spirit is greater. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Whoever that might be. <sighs> right. Yeah. But I will say, too, you know, Randall and I have had some really good mentors, right? And today we found out one of those people died last night. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, Ollie Weaver... Uh, was a friend of ours, uh, like a father to me. I called him old geezer all the time, and he called me whippersnapper, um, you know. And uh, he, he's with the Gideons. We've known him with the Gideons for 18 years, something like that. You're gonna yeah. Up, you going to pull up his picture? No, I wasn't oh, going to. Okay. Well, anyway. Yeah, you know, so we're sad, too, that we lost our friend. And his his wife, Doris, is left behind. I got to tell you, Doris, um, when Randall and I were really active in the California Gideons, Doris and me would go out to Bible distributions. So she was my training partner. You know, she was mentoring me and, and training me to go into, you know, like pregnancy counseling centers and domestic violence places. And we would hand out the gospel. We would hand out the, the New Testaments. I don't know how many of you have ever gotten a New Testament from the Gideons. Um but there are people who volunteer for the Gideons and put that, they put that stuff, you know, we're distributing it, all this other stuff. And I remember one time Doris and me, um, and, and let's just be honest, and very few people want to do this work. Okay. I mean, it's, it's one of these things. And I was very resistant at first. I was like, eh, prayer meetings are boring. <laughs> I appreciate the message, but yeah. Well, anyway, Doris prayed me into doing this stuff. And um, I remember one time we went to this uh, building and we were going to doctor's offices because I don't know if you know this, but the Gideons put um, Bibles in doctor's offices. And so if you've ever gone to a doctor's office and look in their books, there should be a Bible in there somewhere if the Gideons are doing their job well. This one particular day, me and Doris went into this doctor's office. It was in California, and it was packed. There's probably like 100 people, and I'm not exaggerating. There's probably 100 people. 
And Doris has this uh, this sheet on how to do this. Like, okay, we're supposed to bring in so many testaments and we're supposed to get permission from the person, the receptionist. And then we have to count how many we handed out. And then we have to do this, this, and this, right? And anyway, um, I remember while she's doing all this stuff, I'm taking the Bibles. I'm just walking up and down going, hey, anybody want a Bible? <laughs> and the room got quiet. <laughs> It was so funny. And way in the back corner, there was a there was a lady in the back corner, like in the very back, who went like this. Yeah, I take one. So I was like, all right. So I, you know, so I, I had my bag and I, I went straight for that person. And I said, here you go. And as I was walking by, everybody else, almost every single person in that place decided to take a Bible after that. And I, I remember going up to Doris and going, this is so awesome. I just gave out all the Bibles that I had. And she's like, well, how many, how many Bibles was that? I go, I don't know. She goes, you're supposed to know how many, because we have to document this. <laughs> and it was funny because she's so rules, you know, blah, blah, blah. And here I am. Okay. I'm your, I'm your partner, you know? And, um, and then we went and we did a, uh, another distribution a number of months later. And, uh, it was so funny because this time she was like, okay, you're free to go do this by yourself. Do you want the upstairs or the downstairs? I said, I'll go upstairs. Cause she was a lot older than me. And, um, and then we, uh, we go up, I do my thing. She does her, her thing. And she came back to me. She goes, Stacy, I tell you something. I go, what, Doris? She's like, I just want you to know, I didn't care about counting. I just handed them out. <laughs> it was like, it was so funny that she became like, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to give the Bible out the way it's supposed to be. Uh, but anyway. As long as you know how many started with and how many got left. Yeah. The end. Yeah. And the reason for that, by the way, is just, it's because required by law, any kind of yeah, non-profit giving, if it's, it's specified giving, then it's got to go to that. So when somebody donates money for Bibles, place Bibles, that's where it has to go. And a way of, account, of accounting for those funds is hi? by counting the number of scriptures distributed. And Gideon, then, our cat, oddly enough, named after the Gideons. Hello, Gideon. Now, Did you want something? Did you want some dinner? Now, you mentioned um, Ollie's death, which yeah. made me think about what uh, I love you, buddy. Dwight Moody had, wrote and had written many years ago. Uh -huh. Dwight L. Moody, he wrote, uh, Someday you will read in the newspaper that D.L. Moody of East Northfield, Massachusetts, is dead. Don't, don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I will have gone up higher, that's all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, eternal in the heavens, a body that death cannot touch and sin cannot taint. I was born of the flesh in 1837. I was born of the spirit in 1856. That which is born of the flesh may die. That which is born of the spirit will live forever. So Billy Graham said something similar to that then. He did? Yeah. He probably copied Moody. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yep. So 
Anyway, so that's pretty much it. That's our show. You're gonna do you are you gonna continue in Jude tomorrow night? Yes I am. Okay. Alright. So two imperfect believers leading the Bible News uh-huh. Radio. Uh, thanks for tuning in. As I always say at the end of every show, be bold, stand up, and go with God, people, and don't let people push you around, you know? Stop taking, you know, crap from people who you don't deserve to take crap from. It's okay to stand up for yourself as a Christian. You don't have to let people walk all over you or lie to you or treat you like crap. So, go forth, people. <laughs>